the Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. And now, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Oh, whoa. Oh, my gosh. And fighting through the snow. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to... Uh, do you remember, might go back a month or two, we had on a guy. I'm 74. I don't I remember. We had a guy on a month or two back. Yes, yes. Who is a stockbroker from Wall Street. Oh. He lives in Hartford, Connecticut, if yes. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. He has his own corporate jet. He has 11 cars. He's, you know, all his writing is done with these Mont Blanc pens, you know, that cost about a thousand bucks a pop. Just obnoxious yeah. crap like this. <laughs> and he um, yeah. calls himself, he sent us an album Thank called you. Thank The you Suburban. For your <laughs> That's right. He calls himself the Suburban Blues Man. He lives mm. in a wealthy suburb of Connecticut. Yeah. And he has an album called The Suburban Blues. Yes. And he sent that to me. I gave his name out the last time. Right. And he did not like that, that oh, I gave his name his out. because his company is probably not. It's not only that. He, uh, look, let's be honest. The blues is a genre of music that was developed and used as a voice, a cathartic voice yes. for working people and poor yes. people. Yes. Whether it's from the hollers of Appalachia or the inner city of... Chicago or yep. down in Mississippi, yep. it's it's a it's a working man and poor man and woman yeah. voice. Yes, this guy comes along and has this thesis, and he very proudly says that rich people have hard lives too. Oh, speak to me, and, they, <laughs> and that they need a spokesman <laughs> to tell their stories of their exactly. hardship. Exactly. And Thank he you. said, and he's, he's got a name that ends with one of those thirds. This is not his name, but yeah. like, you know, William. Ashley Worthington the, the third. third. Right. And it's always said that. I say that again. The uh, th Ashley Worthington the third. Yeah, it's always said that big, long third. Of and so I gave his name out. Yeah. And he, he called me because he's, he's talked to me, calls on the podcast line, and he says, dude, you got to stop doing that because. I have had people threaten they're going to kick my ass because they're mad that I have co-opted their genre. Yes. And, and I, but he says, these stories need to be told. He sent us the album. I read some of the liner notes. We played a month or so ago yes. the, the title song from the album, The Suburban Blues. Yes. He sent another song. And the song, and i got to tell you something. No. I have never, in all the years I've been hanging around with you, so it goes back to 1970, maybe even <laughs> late 69, I have never once, and this is the truth, yes. heard you swear, use profanity, cuss. You just don't do it. Yeah. And you were raised very properly. Because I, I met your parents, God yes. rest their souls, yes. but you had yes. wonderful parents. Yes. I'm a young Catholic boy. I was yeah. raised similarly. I have never cussed. <laughs> so I... <laughs> So I have to say, I'm very uncomfortable speaking yes. words that are profane. Yeah. <laughs> I have to, tonight, to introduce this song, yeah. because I'm also a journalist, and I have to report <laughs> what is to be reported. So what I, about a baker who doesn't believe in gay marriage and, and refuses, because of their feelings, because of their strong principles, won't make a wedding cake for gays? 
Well, if you have principles about not cursing, even though you're a journalist, I would expect you to live by those principles and just bleep instead of cursing. So anyway, so anyway, I, uh, so anyway, I say to the listeners, this is what we call an F-bomb alert. Oh. If you are driving your car listening to this podcast, Jerry has put his hands, his, the palms of his hands tightly like earmuffs over his ears. So uh, this is a warning. Uh, turn this off. Listen to it late at night when you're going to sleep or something. But do not let children hear this. Because his song that he sent me, and it's in the lyrics, I've listened to it. The title of the song is, My Tesla Done Broke the Motherfuck Down. Is that what I've been missing? That's the name of the song. Oh, those are great words. Okay. <laughs> so his thesis is, he has a car, yeah. and it broke down. Mm. And by the way, Teslas, I'm sure, are great cars, but oh, surely something happens to some of them. He had one that happened. And so he went to AutoZone to try to get a part for it. And they said, we don't sell parts for Teslas. You know, you yeah. should have brought a Corolla or something. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> let's hear the suburban yeah. blues man singing my Tesla done broke the motherfuck down. Well, my Tesla, it done broke the motherfuck down. <laughs> Hey, my Tesla, it done broke the motherfuck down. Well, I should have bought a Chevy like the rest of you common clowns. Well, I had to go to AutoZone to get an electric controller. But they said they didn't carry it, I should have bought a Corolla. Well, being all rich is harder than your mama done told ya. Well, my Tesla, it done broke the motherfuck down. Everybody. I was just thinking, everybody. Well, my Tesla, Tesla it, it done, done broke the motherfuck down. But I will bleep down. my words when I that word, because I don't say that word. <laughs> well, I should have bought a Chevy like the rest of you common clowns. All right, that's a suburban blues, man. I, I think I should say to him... I would think that would have an audience. Well, I don't know. May, maybe in uppity, rich neighborhood. Does he sell these Oh, yeah. He's, this is on Bandcamp, and it, yeah. you can get it, iTunes, etc. And he's got a website, the uh, suburbanblues.com, or maybe a suburbanbluesman.com. Uh, give me a few weeks to get that up on the website. <laughs> no, but I uh, know he's, yeah. he's bound to have a website. you yeah. got to have a website if you're going to be a blues man. Uh, Anyway, I don't know. I'm hesitant to ask him to send any more in because it's just coarse. That that is, that's coarse language. And anyway, I wanted to ask you something. I heard something out on the streets because you know Jerry, the streets talk. You hear things, <laughs> and uh, and you're such a street guy. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. you have a grandson yes. named Richard. Yes, he's an awesome little yeah. dude. I mean, he he's, actually, that's the point. He's not little. He is very tall. Very they tall. usually do this in percentiles. In the fourth grade, and he's in the 99th percentile 99th of percentile of height. Yeah, he's five feet. He's just very, at, feet. at yeah. the age of? Just hit 10. Just hit 10, five feet tall. He's very So that athletic. means when he's 20, he'll be 10 feet tall. So I guess oh. so. I mean, hey, do the math. <laughs> oh, man. Do yeah. the, yeah. Uh, the, the streets are talking oh. and saying <laughs> yeah. that you 
this is so Jerry Springer, that you actually paid him what I consider to be for a child a lot of do-re-mi, a lot of money, for simply being some height. Do I have it right? What yeah, is it? I was joking around with him, you know, because he's really tall. He's by far the tallest kid in his grade, whatever. And uh, so I said, joking around with him, I said, you know, when you hit five feet, I'm giving you $100. He said, wow. So he's, you know, he was around 4'11", and every day he's going up against Mickey Singer. Stretching up, out as Stretching out. And sure enough, two weeks ago, he hit five feet. And you gave him $100. And I gave him $100. And I said, and, you know, everyone, in the, you know, you can imagine the rest of the family's going, oh, man, great way to teach a kid. Yeah, you right, know? right. And I said, Simply I'll, for growing, he's yeah, rewarded. For growing. Simply for growing. So I tell you what, when you hit six feet, I'm going to pay you $500. Unbelievable. So what he says is, you won't be around anymore. Yeah, give it to me now. <laughs> yeah. I said, what? Yeah. He says, what if you're not around anymore? How old are you, Opa? <laughs> yeah. So I said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. When they bury me, I'm going to put $500 in my front right pocket. <laughs> so, and you, it's yours. You come and get it. And he said, without skipping a beat, where do we keep our shovel? <laughs> yeah, because he lives in a so, condo down yeah. in the downtown, yeah, uh, you know, Evanston, Illinois. Yeah. So he's thinking that when I go, if he hits six feet, he's coming, he's digging it up and grabbing it Well, out. wait a second. So that's Ben Knight and the Gravediggers. So they would yeah. come help yes. the band yes. from Ludlow, Kentucky. Yeah. Oh, it's a, a well digger. Show. Hey, um... <clears throat> Why in the hell, no, let me re change that. Why in the heck <laughs> would you give money yes. to a child, relative or otherwise, for simply growing? Because I got it. Oh, okay, there you go. That's a good answer. That's a good answer. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I'll buy that. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's a good answer. By the way, yeah. we have, <laughs> we have a Jamin Zyler uh, coming on here shortly. <laughs> Woohoo! Jamin Zyler. <laughs> Is a uh, luthier uh, and a uh, wood instrument repair guy. Has a shop down in uh, Rising Sun, Indiana. Just opened up a second <clears throat> shop here at Folk School Coffee Parlor. There's a wonderful basement at Folk School Co Coffee Parlor. He's teaming up with, uh, I guess you'd call him sort of an assistant or maybe even an apprentice, Ben Knight of Ben Knight and the Well Diggers, who is a great performer who moved here with his wife and fixed up a house. And he's a... Uh, He's a wood guy. He does a lot of incredible woodwork, and Jamin is uh, teaching him how to do that with musical instruments. And Jamin is a songwriter and a performer, and he's going to be on shortly to do a song. But I wanted to ask you a question, Jerry. A week ago, uh, we had, and we did a podcast on it, we had the midterm elections, 2018, November 6th. Uh, and it was a big deal, and the Dems won solidly control of the House of Representatives. And we analyzed that all in last week's podcast. So if you're listening and you didn't hear that, just go on the archive one week back and you'll get it. But uh, when you look back on, the, and we did the sort of the small micro look at the election, but now let's pull back and use the, the broad lens, wide angle. What was the worst thing thematically or behavior-wise, what did you draw from this last election on the dark side? Well, on the 
dark side, I, I don't even think it's questionable, but I think it's, it's downright dangerous and scary to think that this is America. But on the dark side, what I remember of this election is that it was if our, was the hate. It was as, as if our country just had an X-ray and it revealed a lump on our soul. And hopefully this election removed most of it, and hopefully it doesn't spread. But what am I talking about? There was one week, either two or three weeks before the election, which was about as bad a week as I can remember for the mood of America. Within one week, I mean, things that just weren't supposed to happen here. Bombs were sent, were mailed to 12 Democratic leaders. Uh, bombs were sent to CNN. All of these leaders and CNN were specifically targets of Trump. He didn't send them, but he had targeted these people constantly as being bad people, horrible people, evil people, low IQ people, whatever. Constantly ripping these specific people, and they were the people that got the bombs in the mail. Then, a couple of days later, 11 people were killed at a synagogue on a Sabbath morning. Killed by a white supremacist who was yelling he wanted to kill all the Jews believing that the Jews were behind the, quote, caravan, the invasion of immigrants to the southern border of America, and they had to be stopped. Trump, in fact, was saying how he would send troops, even though this, quote, caravan was over a 1,000 miles away. It was made up primarily of moms holding their kids, wearing flip-flops, and he was saying they're terrorists, they're Mideasterners, they're criminals, rapists. George Soros, a Jew, was behind this and funded this. And then a day or two before, two blacks, two African-Americans were shot in the back of their head in a supermarket after this killer was denied entry, thankfully, into a black church. No, no telling how many people he would have killed there, but he got in. One week, day after day, of unbelievable hate crimes. Now, was this just a coincidence? And the honest answer, regardless of your political views, the honest answer is all of these incidents were fueled by the language of Trump and sometimes by the action of Trump. No, not everyone who voted for Trump is a racist. No, not every Republican is a racist. No, I'm not even, I don't even know what is in Trump's mind. That's not the point. But the bombs, which cannot be denied, were all specific targets of Trump. 
the same president who, after the march in Charlottesville last year, said that some of these neo-Nazis were good people. He constantly refers to blacks, black politicians that he's going after, as low IQ. He always uses that for an African-American. Low IQ, or there's, he's a thief. The candidate for governor in Florida, he's a thief. The congresswoman in California, low IQ. There's an invasion of immigrants, he says. Middle Eastern, as I said, terrorists, rapists. And again, there's not one shred of evidence that there's one Middle Easterner who what? Took a boat over to Mexico to walk in flip-flops up to America? I mean, just the whole notion is so stupid, and he's sending troops down there. What are the troops going to do? Are we going to shoot these women and children as they're coming in their flip-flops? What are you sending troops down there for? You want to be helpful? Let's have judges on the border to see if they qualify for asylum. There's nothing illegal about coming to the shores of America and applying for asylum. That's what America's about. To say, well, where are we going to get these new judges? Well, I got a couple of quick ideas. First of all, 15,000 troops, you could have 1,000 judges that are a lot cheaper than 15,000 troops and all the military equipment you got to bring down with it. And secondly, you could take graduates from law school and have them give a year to being close to the border there and handling these cases, becoming experts on asylum law. Great idea for experience for these young lawyers and let them deputize them as judges and let them do that. I mean, that's a nice thing to do. It's not an invasion. So you say, well, all these hate crimes, all these horrible things that he's doing, still he's not responsible. He's not going, well, wait a second. He knows that his words have an impact on people. Look, as I said, most people that support him, most Republicans, of course, they're not killers. Of course, they're not going out there to do r racial hate crimes. But let's be honest, in a country of 320 million people, there are some people that are on the edges. There are some people that are crazy. There are some people that are psychopaths. And if you give them a reason... If all of a sudden you're coming out and saying the stuff that they already believe, and, he said, and you, these crazy people say, oh, my gosh, he's saying exactly what I believe. He's right. I'm going to help him. Where's my rifle? Where's my AK-47, whatever you call them? And go out and mow people down. That's where this comes from. And he knows his words matter. Otherwise, he wouldn't have spent the two weeks prior to Election Day going from rally to rally to rally to stoke up his people. Of course, why, why do you pay for all these TV ads, these racist ads that they had the last few days? Of course he knows it has an impact. Otherwise, you wouldn't pay for those ads. Otherwise, you wouldn't give those speeches. You wouldn't hold those rallies. A politician's words, that's... That's their weapon, the words. 
So, wow, this is coming from the President of the United States. And I know I'm happy with the results of yesterday's, of last week's election, but wow, this is the problem we really, really have to fix. The invasion is not of some immigrants trying to seek asylum. It is an invasion of hate and bigotry and prejudice that we have to stand up against and say, no, that is beyond political speech. Any candidate that goes down that road, Democrat or Republican, that goes down that road is automatically eliminated from consideration. No decent American should ever vote. If there was a Democrat who said that crap, they would never, ever, ever get my vote. And why can't we all say that? All right. Hey, we have with us tonight Jamin Zyler. We brought him back. He was here last week, and uh, he's very, very good as a songwriter and a singer. And as I mentioned earlier, he is a luthier and does custom guitars. And uh, so welcome, first of all, Jamin Zyler. By the way, Jamin's from Rising Sun, Indiana, yeah, within an hour drive maybe of the greater Cincinnati area. And uh, Jamin, uh, before we ask you to do a song, quick question about your guitar making. We chatted a little bit about this last week. Mm -hmm. Again, I reference that. People can go back to the episode before this in the archive and listen to that. It's definitely worth listening to. Sang a great original song called Let's Grow Old Together. So you make guitars, custom guitars for people. Uh, mm -hmm. Four to six, seven grand range, I would say. Yeah, in that ballpark. In that ballpark. Uh, tell us very briefly, start to finish, how do you do it? Where the hell do you get the wood to do this? And, and how long does it take? What kind of equipment do you use? Well, I can build a guitar if, in about three months part-time. Really? Yeah, my, my full-time job is repair and restoration. Okay. And uh, most of the wood like the back and sides on this guitar. I, I bought this maple at a local lumber store. At a local lumber store? Yeah. Are you saying you could go into like a Home Depot or Lowe's sure. and buy some wood? Sure. Really? Yeah. At, at the top wood is the important. I get it from luthier supply houses. So that's a specialty top, yeah. piece of wood. Spruce. This spruce, happens to be okay. Sitka spruce from Alaska. Really? Uh, most of the wood I use is uh, red spruce, which is also called... Uh, Adirondack spruce. Okay. Uh, but I get it from a, a guy who cuts it down in Tennessee. Nice. It grows through the Adirondacks all the way down through the Smokies. And and you literally take these pieces of wood and design this thing, shape it, and... Yeah, you have to resaw it with a bandsaw, with a big, thick bandsaw blade, and you get, oh, you know, three-sixteenths of an inch, and then... In, in Luthery, you have to build a lot of your own Okay. Tools really? and jigs. I have a thickness sander that I thin it down to just under an eighth of an inch. I call it the beast. <laughs> yep. Do you know when you're done it's going to sound really sweet, or does one sound different from another? They all do? sound different. But they do. But they all sound really good. I've, um, 
I could say that because I've had a lot of compliments on the sound right. from and some of the, the best makers in the country. And, and the, the trick, I would guess, would be to become so consistently good at it that you know everyone's going to be a keeper. It's going to be yeah. a value. Exactly. That's exactly okay. the way it goes. Yeah. Yeah, that's very cool. By the way, if you did it uh, full time, I understand what you're saying. You, you do a, month. a lot of You could do it in a month if a you month. got up every day and you spent yeah. every day just working that guitar. Yeah. Within a month, you could have that. And done. that's with getting the finish started you know the top coat finish yeah. to protect the wood well they're very very beautiful guitars and the one you're well, playing you tonight so used it last week is a guitar that has the sound hole kind of it's oblong and it's on a slant looks very cool by thank the way you. it's unique looking thank you is that how out of the guitars you've made what percentage do you use that sound hole? Is that common for you, or is that this, unusual? This is the second time I've used this. Only the second time? Yeah. Mm -hmm. More typically, is it around? It's uh, around. More traditional? I've put them all over. Different places? Except back here. I, I put it, I've put them up here. The front part of the body, yeah. you, you'll move it around some. Uh, sometimes I'll put a couple of holes here. Um, to change the sound? It does. It, it, it acts as a monitor. Um, I made a guitar once that had a little slide. I used leather to keep it from r rattling. You could open it as a monitor. Wow. Because if you're so playing with your friends, it's, you could open this up and you would hear your guitar instead of and Years theirs, ago so. when I first started playing guitar, and I don't play very well, but I've been playing my whole life. I love it. And mm -hmm. there's a, an F-hole guitar. Yeah. Who, who did that? Was that... Uh, well, that comes from the violin. Oh, yeah, sure yeah. enough. Yeah. But uh, used on guitars. Used on guitars. Okay. It's very bright. Um, I, I, th I think either Orville Gibson or Lloyd Lore came up with okay. putting it on the guitar. They, they saw how the violin was so loud. You, I know you've all heard a violin. Yeah. It's incredibly loud. Yeah. And they needed something to cut through the big bands back in the 20s and 30s. They used a banjo first because it cuts through. And then they start building the arch tops. And that high-pitched sound, you know, you can just hear in the background, you know, just, nice. a, just a little yeah. little rhythm going. Are most guitars made mass-produced? Most. There's a yeah. lot of us around the country now. Oh, about, I see. About, I've been yeah. at it about 25 years. Wow. Building. Great. Um, I'm probably at that point, I was maybe the third or fourth yeah. generation of makers other than the major factories Gibson well, if you're Martin. A, yeah if you're a serious musician and you're a serious guitar player I could see why you'd want to go to someone like you and, yeah yeah have thank a custom you. made yeah it's thank very you. cool thank you uh you're going to do a song for us tonight that's called uh you can be happy yeah, correct written by my friend Frank Smith who and was, he passed away he uh, passed away yeah. yeah all right here we go Jamin Zyler when lions lie on your doorstep tend to block your way what can you do if they decide to stay you can be very careful be friendly to them too and feed them lots of groceries so they don't feed on you you can be happy you can smile you can Laugh at all minor problems all the while Cause happy faces make happy people too And a smile on someone else usually puts a smile on you When snowflakes fall so slowly and clutter up the sky Or your favorite flower dies, what can you do? 
it never snows forever new flowers bloom every hour so this advice would be nice for you you can be happy you can smile you can laugh at all minor problems all the while cause happy faces make happy people too and a smile on someone else usually puts a smile on you and a smile on someone else usually puts a smile on you Jamin Zyler, tell Thank us you. again where we can hear your music. Um, well, you can find it on uh, CD Baby. All right. And I have Facebook. You can okay. look me up on Facebook. J-A-M-O-N-N, or you can actually drop the second N you That's were saying right. last it's week. It's been dropped all my life. And so there you go. And it's the Z- same person. <laughs> okay. And Z-E-I-L-E-R, yeah, Jamin two hard Zyler. Names. Yeah. Hard and by the way, Maria Corelli, our third voice, is in Mexico, was in Mexico last week. She's there. Again, this week she'll be with us uh, again. Uh, I heard she's in a caravan. She is. Oh, yeah. She joined the caravan. (laughs) Working her way up. uh, Trying to get a ride up. Uh, (laughs) Jamin, take us out, please, on Down by the Riverside, if you wouldn't mind. And uh, Jerry is going to join you on the second verse. And it's uh, always amazing. (laughs) (laughs) You're a good singer, Jerry. What's going on? I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Down by the riverside Down by the riverside I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside You've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more. Ain't gonna study war no more. Gonna lay down my sword. Down by the riverside, down by the riverside.